Hi guys, we're your hosts Jillian and Kaylin, and this is Teach Me How to Adult, a podcast on all the things you never learned growing up, like how to buy a home, manage stress, crush your love life, land your dream job, and how to love yourself more, because we could all be a little kinder to ourselves. We're still figuring out how to get our shit together, so we're calling in the experts and the hustlers for some real talk and legit tips on how to live your best life. Adulting isn't easy, but we got you. Hi friends, we hope you're all doing fab. Wedding season is just around the corner and even if it doesn't feel that way, just ask all the brides right now. Oh yeah, it feels <laughs> very much right around the corner if you're currently planning a wedding yeah. or if you're in a wedding. So today we are talking about how to plan your dream wedding while hopefully avoiding all the stress and overspending that can usually come along with it. Yeah, it's a very exciting, beautiful, wonderful thing, and I love love, but it also seems really stressful. Anyone I know who's planning a wedding is very, very stressed, so we really hope this helps. We wanted to get the inside scoop from a wedding planner who's responsible for some of the most beautiful weddings in Canada, so we are talking to the best of the best today, luxury wedding planner Rebecca Chan. She is incredible, and the weddings that she's done, you got to see her Instagram, they're stunning. But even if you're going smaller and lower budget than the celebrity events that Rebecca throws, there's still so many great tips in this episode, and it's totally still possible to have a beautifully romantic, intimate, and memorable wedding on a budget. Agreed, 100%. I also think it's, maybe this is a hot take, but I think it's normal to do smaller budget weddings right now. I really think because, we talk about this in the episode, but because of COVID, but also because our generation is like having to get fucking smart with money. Like we can't afford homes. Like we're going into a recession. Like (laughs) cost of living is, is crazy and compensation hasn't caught up. And it's just, it seems so insane to have a wildly wildly extravagant wedding in this day and age and so like if you're doing it then like go you but I feel like it's really normal to have smaller micro intimate weddings even like lots of people I know who have families with property or are getting married on those properties so there's just so many different kinds of weddings that you can have and I think it's just important to know that like the expectations of our generation are changing and there's never been a better time to do what is right for you. Gone are the days where you have to be like, it has to be at a church at this time and then here and then we have to do this and like every single person the family has ever spoken to must be invited and this must cost you everything you have. And I think it's also okay for your expectation to change. Like I had always thought I was going to get married locally and my parents had a beautiful backyard and we thought we would do it in their backyard and it would be this big, beautiful outdoor wedding but as we started planning we realized we had so many friends and family from out of town that to get everybody together for one night in like a remote part of northern Toronto didn't feel like the best move for us so that's why we ended up doing destinations so it's okay if things change I love that my only regret is that I didn't know you when wasn't Dude, I know I know if Gabe and I were to do everything all over again we'd elope with like our three besties so you'd obviously be there so it's okay made the cut I love it (laughs) sick (laughs) yeah I am as anyone who follows us knows very far off from any sort of weddings but this is just exciting because I can show up for my friends who are getting you know married a little bit better totally any bridesmaids out there like I'm taking some of these tips for the wedding that I have in June I'm gonna call my friend after this and be like get your shot list ready with your photographer exactly and okay so on the budgeting front obviously Rebecca does luxury weddings so like her budgets are insane and stunning and beautiful if that is not if that is not your style and that is not in the budget for you just know that like you can spend a lot of money or you can spend a lot of time so call on your bridal party to help you out on the things that are going to take a bunch of time whether it's like you're going to create like the place settings with your friends on your own or you're going to put together some of the the decor that goes on the tables you're you know going to write all of the cards together there's so many things that you can call on your little village to help you with to save money and like we want to help as someone who is not planning a wedding I want to help I want to be a part of the journey for my friends so if you have good people in your life they're gonna want to help put them to work because they probably would prefer to spend their time with you doing it together than having to spend a bunch of money also and there's a lot of ways to DIY things that you know, not everyone's into DIY, but I actually think it makes it really, really special. I went to a wedding years ago and the bride was like a guru at DIY, like stunning. And she had it in this gorgeous barn. The detail, the customization, everything written on beautiful boards and mirrors and like little typewriters where you could leave notes for the couple and like everything was really thoughtful and precious and like antiques, like sourced from antique stores, like 
nothing was just mass ordered and nothing was just like let's throw money at it it was all really carefully done and so that also if you're very busy you don't need to do that you can just throw money at the problem but I think it's just important to note that you can still have such a beautiful special time while doing a lot yourself and it's also fun like I remember when we got to Mexico where we got married like that we did that like I had our bridal party all come together and we all made the little table settings together and it was a really sweet fun moment like the groomsmen were the best they were so cute at doing it um so you're right it is a nice way to like get your get your gang together but if you're looking for a place to start from my unsolicited advice opinion I think before you even like start wedding planning like figuring out what you want to do you really got to sit down with your partner and be like what are we willing to spend on this Mm -hmm. like what is the absolute maximum amount and then work it back from there because if you kind of go into it blindly I think at least from my experience, like from what, from scrolling on Pinterest and seeing all like the beautiful, glamorous, like perfectly styled shots that are on there, like there's usually a really high cost for those things. So you kind of have to go into it with a realistic mindset on what you can currently afford. And what you're sacrificing too, to be honest, like if you are fronting the bill on your own, like you both need to be aligned on like, what does this mean? How much are we spending? And are, are we now not able to have a house or are we now like what are we because once you figure out what your priorities are as a couple you'll be able to figure out your priorities for spending on your wedding totally that's a super great point but on the flip side if you have help or you think you could have the potential of having help from your parents or other family members like have that honest conversation with them if you're like hey I crunched the numbers I need an extra x amount is that something you'd be, be willing to help with or if you find yourself in a situation where your family members are, you know, really pestering you on inviting like your dentist in my case or like, you know, a bunch of family <laughs> friends that you're like, I can't afford this. Like maybe mom and dad, you cover the plate for, you know, these extra 10 people that you want to invite and you split yeah. it up that way. Absolutely. I really believe in this day and age, if there's expectations that are being put on you to invite people that really aren't close to you, then like that should be covered. You should be getting yeah. help with that if it's not your choice and you don't really even right. want them there. Oh, guest lists are so stressful. I think that's the scariest part of, of of planning a wedding for me is just navigating guest lists and hurt feelings and like family dynamics. It's really maybe we'll do an episode just on that in the future because that's a really tough, a tough thing. But at the end of the yeah. day, I think if you're in a, a crappy situation where you can't have everyone that you'd like there, try to have other parties or other celebrations that are small scale where you could see people or just have a really honest talk about like what the situation is and why you're not able to extend an invitation even though you would have loved to and maybe you can do something special one-on-one with some people that you know aren't able to come yeah yeah I think that transparency piece is key because it'll help mitigate anyone from feeling like rejected or upset that they weren't invited yeah yeah no it's true I think my only advice that I would give to a bride-to-be right now would be not to lose sight of why you're planning this wedding in the first place, too. You kind Mm -hmm. of touched on it, what you were saying about, like, does the wedding ladder up into your overall goals as a couple? Because it's so easy to get carried away. I got carried away. I'd I'd like to think I wasn't bridezilla, but for sure I was. I'm sure I had my moments. And, like... (laughs) You just got to remember, like, you're doing this because you love each other and you're doing this to celebrate that. Like, don't let this become a defining moment of who you are. And you know what I mean? Like, we get really carried away with it. Oh, my God, yeah. Cliche as it sounds, don't let it, uh, don't let it take over because I also got hit with some wedding blues after my wedding was done. I was like, oh, now what? (laughs) When it's really supposed to be the exciting part, the marriage part. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. I think like I'm, again, I love love and I cannot wait to have a wedding and I love going to people's weddings and it's just a beautiful thing to celebrate. But I think that the toxic culture around extreme wedding expectations of like being a certain size, of like shedding a bunch of weight, of like having everything be so, so perfect that it doesn't even become about the couple anymore. And so... I'm sure anyone listening, it's like you either believe that or you're like, yeah, fuck off. I want to look great and I'm spending a lot of money on this. So like I'm going to do whatever I want to do. But just remember, truly, the memories that you share, the connections you have, all of that being present on the day of, that matters so much more. So just figure out what your priorities are together and, you know, don't, don't stray too far from your budget or you'll have regrets and enjoy yourselves. But we are not the experts. I mean, Kaylin might be. She's like 
pretty much an expert. You did get married. But we called in Rebecca Chan. She's the owner and lead planner of Rebecca Chan Weddings and Events, which specializes in planning beautiful luxury weddings and events in Toronto and abroad. And as one of Toronto's top wedding planners, Rebecca has been orchestrating impeccable events for over a decade. She's a CityLine guest expert and regularly appears in outlets like Huffington Post and Toronto Star. She's also planned events for celebrities like Ruby Core, which is my literal dream. So I fangirled pretty hard over that. So Definitely cool. check out her Instagram if you need some like just beautiful wedding and event inspo. It is so, so, so lovely. Teach us how to plan a dream wedding, Rebecca. Thank you so much for talking to us today, Rebecca. We're really, really excited to chat weddings. I have never been married, so this is hopefully on the horizon. Kaylin had a beautiful wedding, and a lot of our audience is really hitting that that milestone coming up. So we're just so excited to dive in. And we wanted to start with like the nitty-gritty that everyone is dying to know, which is <laughs> what is the average cost of a wedding, let's say in a major city like Toronto or Vancouver? for a smaller, maybe under 75 person wedding versus a larger 150 plus person wedding? I guess in Toronto, it's a bigger city compared to Vancouver. It is a bigger, it's a big city, but it's like a smaller town. You know what I mean? So yeah, I find yeah. actually a lot of the, the weddings that happen on the West Coast, they're a little bit more relaxed and mm-hmm. they focus on the scenery. The scenery is the backdrop and the wedding yeah. focal point, whereas Toronto... We don't have mountains and beautiful water, so we go to hotels and banquet halls, and then we dress yeah. them up and spend all this money to like make it look really nice. So, so it's true. a totally different culture um, of wedding planning. So, so money. Let's talk about the budget. So I guess pre-COVID and also maybe now, uh, weddings are generally 100 to 150 people, I'd say. Like getting yeah. 75 and under is really hard, I find, yeah. unless you're leaving a lot of people yeah. out. So like on average, like 150 person wedding in Toronto, I'd say like you're at least on the smaller scale, 50 to 60,000. Um, yeah. And then, but on average, a lot of our clients, I'm seeing them spend a hundred, hundred and twenty thousand on a wedding wow. easily, uh, and give and remind remember that you're not spending this in a day, right? Like, of course, it is a day, but you're not spending yeah. the hundred thousand like in one shot. Like, you're paying a deposit, you know, a year and yeah. a half before, and then you pay for the next deposit, you know, a few months later, and a few months later, you're paying for another thing. So, it's spread out quite a bit, and. Like, I think for a smaller city like Vancouver, maybe you're spending a little bit less, but a lot of times the the elements of the wedding are about the same. You know, you still need your venue. You know, you're still feeding yeah. 100 people, right? Yeah. Three courses and unlimited drinks usually and a late night and a dessert. Like, and, and you have decor for all of these people. Yeah. For anyone who's trying to, you know, maybe stick towards the 50K end of the, of the budget, do you have any like tips and tricks on how people can get a little bit crafty? Like, can you negotiate with vendors? Is that a thing? Is it taboo? Should you maybe, you know, rethink party favors? What do you recommend? Well, I think saving money on a wedding is a myth. <laughs> like weddings are expensive yeah. at the end of the day. Like you are feeding a lot of people and you're mm-hmm. trying to throw a really nice party. Like if you're looking to save a little bit, you can try a restaurant versus a traditional wedding venue. A restaurant has staff included already. They usually have place settings, they have plates, they have all of the items to serve food. Um, and it, probably has a nice ambiance, but usually restaurants don't house 200 people at the same time. So usually they're for smaller scale weddings. And when you have smaller guest counts, you also are spending less as well. You know, a lot of the like more untraditional, uh, non-traditional venues will be a little bit less as well. Like I, I attended a wedding for a friend and they got married in a brewery. Um, that typically Whoa. doesn't house a lot of weddings, but it, you know, maybe 70, 80 people and they did a lot of the decor themselves. They, they brought in a caterer for the food, you know, food was important to them. So they spent on that. But I usually tell this to our clients if they are trying to be very uh, strict on their budget is that you spend on what you care about. 
Mm-hmm. And then everything else that you don't care about, try, you know, you'll either have to compromise on it or you don't have it. Can you negotiate with vendors? Like right now in this kind of wedding climate coming out of COVID where there was such a, like everything closed down. And then uh, ever when everything opened up, it was like insane. Everyone, everyone and their mom, you know, was <laughs> under the sun, was trying to get married the last couple of years. They all waited or they had something small and that now everyone wants to get married. And, and a yeah. lot of vendors uh, and small businesses during COVID closed down as well. Um, even venues closed down. And so there's this huge demand and less supply. So it's sort of trickled down into this year as well. So you have people who were trying to get married last year. They couldn't get married. And now they're trying to get married this year. So uh, lots of demands, not a lot of supply. Yeah. Difficult to do negotiation. Price is the price typically. Do you, I mean, I know a lot of people are ready to like throw big parties after years of being stuck at home. But I also feel I'm seeing, it could also be a shift in how like millennials are doing things or just the financial climate. But I'm also seeing more like micro weddings, smaller weddings, people like it used to, I feel like just be assumed that everyone would get a plus one, that it would be a huge event and all of these things. And now um, I think people are just trying to be a bit smarter about how they do things or maybe just cut back a little, do smaller events Um, I don't know if you're seeing that much, but definitely it seems if you're going to have 150 people, like it's just going to be really expensive. So people Mm -hmm. are are trying to do weddings under 50 people and and hope that that really slashes the the budget a bit. Yeah, I think uh, that's a result of COVID, like a COVID thing, right? Like COVID has made people have to reevaluate their their wedding. It's, you know, do you want to wait? who knows how long to hold your giant wedding that you envisioned Mm -hmm. that you've already put a deposit on, or are you going to pivot to do something a little smaller and just get it done now so that you don't have to wait, you know, a year or two years. Some for some, some people, they waited two, two and a half years to hold their big wedding. Right. So COVID I feel like has made people reevaluate the size, the scale, what they dreamed of and what is really realistic um, and also there's like this looming recession, who knows yeah. if that's, you know, I know. It, purse, purse strings are tighter. So I think it's just more accepted that weddings can be smaller and can still mm-hmm. be quite nice and intimate um, and still be, you know, just as romantic as, you know, the 200 person wedding. It's just that not everyone can come. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but I think it's just now people are seeing it more and it's just more widely accepted because of what we've had to do the last couple of years. Right. Uh, I feel like with weddings, it's all about what you've seen and what your friends have done or what your peers do. Right. Like it's like 10 years ago, maybe it wasn't like that because there wasn't social media, there wasn't Pinterest. But now weddings are all like you know once you're once you're getting ready in the morning you've already posted it you know you're taking selfies with your bridesmaids the night before like it's shared live everyone sees it so it's a very different culture I get it though like with wedding video sometimes the wedding video doesn't come out till like six or eight months later true you know and do you even remember your wedding at that point like you want to share it right (laughs) away so I, I, I can see why that is a thing and why people would want it you know, a lot of times the bridesmaids will help take some footage or sometimes I as a wedding planner will be like, hey, do you want a video of this? I'm like, oh my God, yes, I do. You know, so like they definitely want footage. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So the takeaway here is do your friends a solid at weddings and take lots of great footage for them so that they don't need to hire someone. (laughs) Yeah. And I think we were talking about like how to save money and, you know, what that entails. Like, I think one thing that you have to remember is that like you can save on anything. On the like the wedding is not even necessary. Let's be honest, right? It gets a mm-hmm. biggest extravagant celebration. So anything that you do for the wedding, like you can do it yourself. It's just a matter of do you want to and are you prepared to do the work? Um, yeah. like you could make flowers yourself, but do you really want to make twenty centerpieces with fresh flowers yeah. the night before the wedding and then have to refrigerate it and then transport it and then who's going to put it on the table? Like there's just mm-hmm. so many details. You either need to spend time or money. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. So like you could save on favors, but it means maybe you'd have to make it yourself. 
you could save on transportation, but then it means that you'll be taking an Uber, you know? And mm-hmm. so like you can do, mm-hmm. you can save on anything in the way yeah. you can cook for the, you can cook for everybody if you want to, if you really oh you know gosh. wanted to, but who <laughs> wants to do that? Yeah. Right. So you just have to know what it will take. If you have a small intimate wedding, it might be like a grand wedding. Sometimes there's an expectation. Maybe there'll be a band or there'll be live music. And if you're, if you love music, you should have that. If you're people that are like, no, no, we literally just want to play like the top hits and dance the night away, then you can have like a playlist and save a bunch of money. So it's like the vibe and what you invest in it totally, as you said, is really reflective of like what your values are as mm-hmm. a couple. And mm-hmm. I mean, I'm like, I want it all, but I probably won't <laughs> be able to have it all. So something will have to give, you know, and whether that's, you know, music or not having an insanely extravagant cake or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. In terms For of sure. the like cost breakdown, what's generally the biggest ticket item like the dress the venue is it open bars are crazy expensive well how does that work typically it is the venue that is the most expensive uh, because yeah you know it's staffing it's the venue rental it's the food and the booze that you're you know like if you think about going for a really nice night out you know with your partner and you do a three-course meal at a five-star place you know Mm -hmm. you're going to do let's say you do a wine pairing with each meal and then you get a drink before, during cocktails, you know, and then you get a drink afterwards and you get dessert and you have to pay for tip and tax. Like, what are you spending typically? Like between two people, maybe 300 bucks, 250, sure. like yeah. definitely not a hundred per person. Right. Yeah. And when people think, oh, it's, you know, I'll just give people a hundred bucks a person for the wedding. Cause that's what it'll cost. Like the meal costs way more mm. than a hundred. If you think about it in that way, like you're doing this for a hundred people. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, uh, and serving a hundred people costs more than a, you know, a 10% or 12, 15% tip. Like typically these venues will charge a service fee of 18 or I've seen 23% service wow. fees at some venues, like at the four seasons or like some of the big venues, like they will charge uh, gratuity and they will charge a service fee. And at the end of the year, you're almost paying like 30 something percent. Oh um, service wow. fees and then you're paying tax on top of it so is that oh built gosh. in is that like gratuity or service yeah. fee you don't have to tip or do anything on top of that that's like correct oh did not know that. it's built in but there's like no negotiation it's not like you you know pay it or don't you pay it it's in your bill mm-hmm. um, yeah. and almost all of the big wedding venues have about at least 18 percent. 18 to 20 is pretty common uh and it's built in on top of your like you know, $300 person per person meal, mm-hmm. you know, you're spending maybe 30, 40 grand on food and drink. And then on top of that, 20% on top of that tax. Wow. <laughs> and in Ontario, the tax is pretty high. So yeah, the venue definitely is the most expensive uh, cost when it comes to the wedding, usually about 50, 60% of the cost of uh, your total wedding budget, sometimes a bit more. You mentioned the service fee that maybe some people don't necessarily know about, but there are there any other hidden fees that kind of creep in there that brides and grooms should be aware of? Uh, a lot of times people forget about AV costs, like when right. they're planning. Um, I forgot I was like, that person. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right? Like sometimes AV has to be booked with the venue or sometimes they don't have anything. So you have to bring it in, Um, you know, whether that's a DJ or a live band, you're going to need a sound system. Maybe you need a stage for them. Maybe you need the microphone. You need a podium. You need a speaker for your cocktail hour if you want music there, a speaker for your ceremony if you have recorded music. So a lot of times people forget about the AV uh, planning and the costs and some venues that have, you know, uh, an in-house supplier for AV they're usually going to be more expensive as well because there's no competition. Maybe paying for your bridesmaids dresses. Some people like to do that and it, they are expensive. Or even like your gifts for your bridesmaids or groomsmen. Mm-hmm. There's also a lot of delivery fees. Like yeah. if you're getting furniture or flowers or linens, like all of those have to get delivered. You know, some people are like picky and they want, you know, 
a cup from this vendor and a napkin from this vendor and, you know, furniture from this other vendor. Every single vendor is going to charge you like five, $600 for delivery oh, wow. um, separately. Right. And right. Uh, the better uh, able you are to uh, kind of get all your things from one supplier, you know, the less delivery fees you have to pay. It's not like Uber, you know, where it's like an Uber courier. This is like, they need staff. They have a truck. They are delivering the night before. They are loading out the night of, like, it's big deliveries. Um, So a lot of times if we can get, you know, your linens, your rentals, you know, a couple of the charger plates or any decorative items from the same vendor, you're saving a little bit on the delivery fees. You also want to tip some people, like, a lot of service providers, makeup, hair, transportation, usually those will... will, um, will want a tip or expect a tip. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes I get a tip as a planner as well. Like at the end of the day, you know, they love what I did and, you know, yeah. they do that, but it's not really expected. And that's kind of of all, a lot of the vendors, like they don't expect it, but you know, it's a nice to have. So let's talk one of the most stressful parts of it, in my opinion, which is figuring out your your guest list and the size of your wedding. I feel like whether it's just a numbers game or like trying to deal with family dynamics, it's it's a tough call to make. So do you have any advice for how to navigate keeping, you know, a guest list somewhat small or I mean, some people have like their original list is like 400 people. So even if they're having 150, still a big wedding, there's a lot of cuts to make. So how do you avoid hurt feelings or are there things people can do like communicating no plus ones, uh, limiting parents, friends that they can just randomly invite or your dentist that they invite. You had to invite your dentist. I no, I put my foot down, but I almost had to invite my dentist. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Oh my God. Yeah. And I had a destination wedding, so that would have been a serious investment of having them there. I mean, my teeth would have looked fabulous, but like, (laughs) no, sir, you're not coming. (laughs) Wow. Well, um, uh, when we are planning for the venue, I usually like to have the couple plan a very initial guest list in the beginning. So we don't run into any issues later on to be like, oh, we booked a venue that has, you know, a hundred person cap. We literally cannot fit anymore, but I want to invite 150. You know, Mm -hmm. you don't really want to run into that issue six months later because you've already put down a deposit for the venue and it's very hard to cut the guest list. Let's be honest. So like usually if you can plan in advance how many you'd like to have and then, you know, have a venue that has a little bit of buffer room to go a little bit more, then it gives you, um, it gives you flexibility. But if let's say, you know, you've booked your venue, you can only have a hundred people and, you know, for whatever reason, it's very common, you know, you end up with 150 people on your list. Uh, and also a lot of people forget to put the bride and the groom or the bride and the bride, like they forget to put themselves in the leg yeah, true. or their par- their wedding party. So if you come, if you're at that, you know, junction where you need to cut people, like if you need to cut people's plus ones, that is okay. They will survive. They will make new friends. If you have to put a limit on your parents friends like it, that's a tricky thing because it depends if your parents are paying for some of it because mm-hmm. if your parents are investing money into this they might want to have more of a say you know one thing I do recommend is having tiered invitations like not all 150 people that you invite are going to say yes like if let's say you have a hundred person limit have a tier one that's a hundred people yeah and then once people start saying no then you can start inviting the second tier they won't know their second tier because you've invited the first tier early, right? So then you invite the second tier, you know, maybe two months before and the first tier is three months before. And then, Mm -hmm. so then you start rolling out the invitations, but I would say you, you know, you make sure you only send the save the date to the tier ones. Yeah. (laughs) Because once you send a save the date to people, then you kind of are, uh, you know, obligated to invite them. Yeah. Um, so the tiered invitations I find is quite helpful and it forces you to choose, you know, what tier people are at too, because then it's like tier three may or may not get invited. You know, usually they do get invited. There's usually maybe 10 or 20% drop off rate with invitations. Okay. And what's the, mm-hmm. like, what's the etiquette of expressing if you don't have room for plus ones? Like I've had a, a friend uh, planning a wedding and there weren't plus ones included on the invitation yet people are still 
hitting them up being like, hey, can I bring my date? And so they're not really <laughs> getting it wasn't explicitly stated no plus ones. They just didn't include a plus one being like, well, this is obvious, but it wasn't obvious mm-hmm. to some people. So what do you, like, how do you recommend people handling expressing that this is an invitation just for you? <laughs> well, you would name the invitation, right? Like to Miss Rebecca Chan, mm-hmm. period. Because <laughs> uh, they would say, because if I had a plus one, it would say like, you know, Rebecca Chan, you know, plus guest. Right. You know, or, uh, you know, or Mr. and Mrs. You know, chance. So then then that indicates to them, oh, this person is the only one invited. Um, and that's an easy indication. But I mean, some people, you know, sometimes it's not dummy proof. So then uh, people will may ask and then you can just graciously let them know that, hey, like we were maxed out at our capacity. Unfortunately, I don't think we'd be able to. But if things open up, I'll let you know. OK, that's nice. That's an elegant way of dealing with it. <laughs> Um, yeah. So apart from the tiered approach, how far in advance should you generally be sending uh, invites and save the dates? And are do those two separate things need to go out? Like, can some can you just do invites? Or like, what's the breakdown? There's a save the date, there's an invite, there's how does that work? Yeah, if you're planning far in advance, let's say a year out, I would say save the date might as well, especially if you're planning in the summer on a weekend, people make travel plans, especially a destination. You want to give them way more notice. Like as soon as you have the date and the venue, you might as well send it out. Uh, You know, even if it's a year out, six months, eight months Uh, invitations, I would say two to three months out. Okay. You could probably do three months, three months out so that you set a deadline for RSVPs for about two ish, a month and a half, two months out because the, your venue the wedding planner, like they will need your finalized seating chart probably like three weeks out, right? And even mm-hmm. your stationary person might need your names and everything three, four weeks out to plan for printing mm-hmm. and designing and, you know, figuring out how many tables you need, and, you know, the final number. So realistically, you need your, you need to sit down with your finalized guest list and make a seating chart, which is actually quite challenging to do. You need to make your seating chart probably a month and a half out um, to give yourself a little bit of time. So then you right. have to kind of plan backwards, like working back, you've got to, you know, maybe you need a deadline for your RSVPs about a month and a half, two months out. And that way you also have stragglers, yeah, you know, who will like forget to RSVP and then you have to like follow up with them. So that takes a bit of time too. Yeah. Okay, speaking of timelines, when do you recommend for the dress too for brides? Like when should they start looking for the dress? Yeah, uh, as soon as possible. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, like typically to order a dress, it's six to nine months before it even arrives. And then on top of that, a couple rounds of alterations, which might take a few months. Yeah. So like usually people will hire us and then they're like oh we're about a year in when should we start looking at dresses like yesterday oh my god (laughs) like you need to get on that right away and it takes time to find your dress too it's not like you're going to go shopping and you find it the first day yeah you know and uh, you know uh, and shopping you might only be able to do in weekends or when your wedding party or your parents are available so it could take a couple months it's a long process sometimes yeah it might be the most scary part of it all <laughs> like doing anything <laughs> a, a year in advance to me is outfit. daunting very daunting it is it yeah, is I think if I were to do it again I would have probably picked two dresses me too oh and do a change for the reception yeah I mean I actually did have three dresses just because I was with I had like a kind of Chinese fusion wedding where I had like the white wedding dress and I changed it to a Chinese traditional dress and then I had like an evening dress that was like more like it was like silver sequins but I would have wanted a second wedding dress look like I had like one kind of form-fitting but I would have wanted a poofy dress too in hindsight (laughs) you know maybe this year for my 10-year anniversary a vow renewal (laughs) yeah exactly I wanted to jump back a second about venues because so I had a destination wedding so my venue was the resort that we went to Um, But Mm -hmm. do you have any advice for like what to look for and questions to ask and consider when you are sourcing a venue? Like where do you typically guide your your brides? So when we are starting the venue hunt, uh, we usually ask couples like what what location is important to them. Like sometimes they don't want to be downtown. Sometimes sometimes they do want to be downtown. Sometimes parking is really important and that limits things too. 
Um, do you want any indoor or outdoor elements? Like outdoor in Toronto is a bit, bit difficult because of, you know, the weather. Mm-hmm. The weather is awful sometimes here. Like it's raining for a few hours, but it's not, you know, but, uh, you know, in the fall and the spring, it's a little chilly, so you can't fully be outdoors. So some people envision this like beautiful garden wedding outside and, well, what is the backup option? You need a backup option that can fit yeah. your whole guest count, right? It's not just a backup for you two. And then we also asked them about, you know, do you want the ceremony and dinner in the same space? Because that also limits not every venue can do that. Or maybe right. you have to flip the same room. Are you okay with that? Um, right. There's so many variables with finding a venue. It's probably the most uh, challenging and stressful part of planning a wedding um for couples because sometimes it could take months like to find find one and if you don't have a planner or one that's not experienced like or maybe you're planning during covid where there's like a shortage of wedding venues and dates like that's challenging too um so those are some of the items that we look at and also we look at the budget as well like holistically like let's say holistically i want to spend you know a hundred thousand or whatever so then that means you know, I I know in my head kind of what would be allocated for the venue. It might be 50 or 60, depending on what other elements that they need. And you do kind of, I do plan out a very rough budget in the beginning so that we know what else they want besides the venue so that we don't go way over budget in the venue and have nothing left over. And then you start thinking about like, okay, now that I know what they need and what their non-negotiables are, then we start actually going through the Rolodex of like the venues and then we see what date they want too, because maybe it's like, oh, I need an auspicious day or I really want a Saturday, you know, in yeah. the summer, you know, I don't want a Friday or a Sunday or, you know, Friday and Sundays are, are one way actually to go cheaper. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's usually less expensive than a Saturday. Uh, we actually had Monday weddings last year, which is insane <laughs> Two like a multiple Monday weddings. Yeah. So if you want to save money, have a Monday wedding, Monday <laughs> lunch, like extremely, extremely cost effective. True. Yeah. With the venue, those are some of the questions that we, and the things that we think about. Um, And then it really comes down to actually seeing the venue. Like you might have some venues that you're looking at and they have the date, they have all the things in the checklist, but then maybe you see it in person. You're like, Oh, it doesn't have, you know, the aesthetic I'm looking for, or it doesn't feel right. Or it doesn't feel as grand as the photos show. So it really depends on so many things. And there's so many little questions that I wouldn't have thought to ask before, but even like curfews that can, like if you're doing a later, like an evening, you know, reception and you're planning to like keep the party going, some places are like, you have to stop like serving and making any sound after like nine or 10. Others are like, you're good till Mm -hmm. 1am. So that is, is a huge part of it. And then other places I know have like catering and kind of like project management and preferred vendors included and then others it's like no no we're specifically just event like a venue and you have to source everything else Mm so there's a lot a lot of things to ask yeah there's a lot of different variables like I think having a having a planner help you from the start is a good thing like if you get if you don't have a lot of time to navigate that, if you don't like details, if you, you know, get stressed out really easily, like, uh, like having someone to walk you through all of those things is very helpful. It's like buying a house for the first time. You just don't know the questions to ask. You don't know what you're looking for because you've never done it before. Most people have never done this before planning a wedding and finding a venue, um, in a sea of venues and options, um, is a big thing. It's very daunting. Yeah. Uh, you know, and even things like, you know, do you want to, do you want a sparkler for a stance or maybe you want fireworks? Maybe you want right. to hang some flowers from the ceiling. Like these are all um, out of the ordinary types of things, like anything with fire or smoke or uh, rigging, which is like hanging things like from mm-hmm. a ceiling. Like you see these things on Pinterest, you know, like great photos with fireworks and hearts and, you know, you need a venue that is uh, that can allow for that, that allows sparklers on a patio or yeah. that has a space for fireworks across, you know, a lot of golf courses are allow it because they have a space, you know, that's far from the venue that they can allow the fireworks where you can still see it. But a lot of venues don't allow it. Yeah. Um, a lot of venues don't even allow hanging things. Um, so if things like that are, you know, really important to you, 
or you know the the ceremony outdoors is really important to you then you have to you have to narrow the it, it will narrow it down quite a bit for you and um but uh, you need to kind of ask the right questions i also wanted to ask about gift registries and if there's any etiquette that people should be aware of i really feel like with younger generations because you're not moving in together for the first time you don't necessarily need to like build up all the things from scratch like you don't need a new set of dishes you don't need all these things that used to be um so crucial because you had couples moving in together for the first time traditionally and Mm -hmm. so I feel like the the gift needs have changed so much and I feel like right now with how expensive things are with like younger generations just not being able to afford homes like cash is like the most helpful thing is it is it okay to just say cash only how do you navigate all of the things about registries. Yeah, just like put your uh, email address for the yeah. email money transfer on the invite. <laughs> just send it, you know, send it there. Um, no, but like, what can we? Uh, <laughs> like, let's be honest, everyone wants cash. Who yeah. wants plates or like to come, walk home yeah. with like a, 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 an air fryer or something yeah. at the end of the night? Like, people don't need things anymore. And gift yeah. registries are, I feel like, a thing of the past. Can you say cash only or just yeah. assume that people know that and don't make I, a registry? Yeah. <laughs> I usually will uh, recommend having a website uh, and then say it on the website in a nice way. You know, like, you know, you know, we're so you know thankful for you to be here for a wedding, to be able to celebrate with us. But we have a lot of things that we, we need already. If you'd still like to give us a gift, you know, feel free to you know, provide us a monetary gift towards our new home or our honeymoon, something like that, that Mm -hmm. tells them, you know, kind of where the money is going to. But I think that's a nice way to do it. Uh, Alternatively, you can also let your wedding party or your parents know that people prefer that you prefer cash so they can just spread the word for you when people ask. But I definitely don't recommend putting it on the invitation. I feel like that's really cringy (laughs) because it's like that, you know, like wedding, wedding gifts, are expected but it's at the same time if you make it seem like it's you're expecting it it's also yeah. you know faux pas so yeah. you kind of want to say it like if you'd like to provide me a gift you know we don't need it but like yeah. you know this is what we prefer versus like pay me up you know like yeah, yeah, my yeah. Email, you know for the you don't money want it to be like transactional like like- <laughs> yeah exactly exactly yeah. that script that you gave was beautiful there's like these websites now where you can actually like pick where you're putting your money towards like their house their mm-hmm. you know their honeymoon which is also a fun way of doing it what are some like common mistakes that people can be aware of for making like the perfect timeline for the day of well there are many <laughs> but it starts let's let's say in the beginning um i find with makeup and hair if that goes late uh it it starts trickling down to the rest of the day. Yeah. So a lot of times couples forget how much time to buffer for, you know, the, the bridesmaid who isn't ready to do their makeup exactly at the time on the schedule, or uh, they forget to buffer in uh, time to eat in the morning for your mm-hmm. you know breakfast. You know, you want to eat something before you have to run out for 14 hours for the wedding day. Uh, they forget to budget time for doing the first look or, budget time for getting their dress on because the photographer wants to take like 50 million photos of you when you're putting your dress. It's not like, Oh, zip up. And I leave. Yeah. It's like, hold it this way, turn this way, look at the light, put your earring on, <laughs> uh, you know, do this and do that. And oh, let's do it again. Uh, let's have your bridesmaid fluff your dress. It's, it's like, like I, I, I usually budget like 45 minutes to an hour for putting on a dress. Wow. If you are making your schedule yourself, I bet you're not doing that, right? Like an hour. And then you also want to budget time for just arranging the first look. If let's say you're doing the first look in the Mm -hmm. morning, um, you know, like that needs time, you know, to coordinate for your, you know, one partner to be stationed somewhere and ready and the other one to come and then your photographers and videographers to be ready for that shot. And then to kind of have an organic moment where you're just enjoying that Mm. time and then to travel to wherever that look is happening. Like there's so many things and that's just the morning. Oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) You haven't even gotten to the wedding yet. And then at the wedding, I find a lot of people forget to budget time for clearing the plates. People will put like first course speech, second course, 
dance, third chorus, speech, but they forget that, you know, it takes time for them to put a plate down. And if you have a hundred plus people, the plates don't come at the same time. They yeah. are, it comes one table at a time. And then after people get their food, they need to eat it. And then after they eat it, they, the staff have to come back and take the, the plates away. So there is time for serving. There's time for eating. There is time for clearing the plates. Like one course might take 30, 45, 30 to 45 minutes. Yeah. Um, you know, some of my couples are like, I want to dance as fast as possible. You know, how can we make sure that we're, you know, getting on the dance floor as early as possible? I don't want to get on the dance floor at 11 o'clock or 12 o'clock. Well, well, you have a four course meal and Uncle Bob and Aunt Joe and your parents <laughs> and your bridesmaids and your groomsmen want to say a speech. So we're not getting on the dance floor until at least 1030. Like, look at the schedule. You know, if you want to be quicker on your, you know, on, on the schedule to get to dancing, I would say max one bridesmaid, one groomsman speech, one parent from each side. That's it. Yeah. Four, you know, do two at one time, two at the other, and then your speech. And then, you know, give them a two, three minute limit. Yeah. And then, you know, because two, three minutes ends up being 10 minutes. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, at least they plan for two to three minutes. So there's all of those things. And then... And then anytime you have to get to to a location for photos, you have to get into your transportation or maybe you have a limo. Maybe you have to drive to a second location for photos. Maybe you have to head to a ceremony and a different location for dinner. Anything with transportation with a big group takes a lot of time. And timing it for the light. Yeah. Yeah. yeah like you, want, you probably want to sure. pre-plan with your photographer. Like if you want a sunset Absolutely. shot or you want golden hour or you want like here it's cloudy right now versus the sun might come out. So right now could be like, you want to figure yeah. out the best time for those photos. Or if you want like really romantic evening sparkler photos, like that all needs to go in the schedule. Yeah. And the more flexibility you have is better. Yeah. Golden hour was my number one with the photographer. I was like, I don't care if I have no pictures of me getting ready, just hit golden hour for Gabe and I, and you will get a tip. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I would even say like schedule a second day for just photos, maybe like, mm. yeah, it's easier at a destination wedding, I think. But like in an ideal world, do a second, uh, a second photo shoot where you don't have the, the pressure of the wedding day. The issue is if you're looking, let's say for beautiful photos, and that's like what's important to you. A lot of people like that is what's important. The challenge is that you are trying to fit in beautiful photos amidst an extremely chaotic day. Yeah, yeah. And it's so hard to plan around timing, around things that are, you know, not under your control. You know, guest arrival, you know, there's so many people involved. There's issues that come up. Maybe the weather is an issue. You know, you're rushed into all these things that have to happen, and then amidst that, you're supposed to do, you know, like look really beautiful, yeah. natural, calm, yeah. and connected, and beautiful. Yeah, but you're so stressed. Yeah, and then, yeah, Sweating. exactly. Like you're getting pulled in so many directions. Yeah, you know, in an ideal world, schedule a second day. You know, not the next day. You know, have a couple of days rest. You know, maybe do another photo shoot with your partner, with your wedding dress, with your can, you know, your tux. Get dolled up a second time and kind of do a relaxed shoot. I love that's that. Maybe idea. before the day. You yeah. know, like that's what engagement photos are really great for too. Like just to get some get get uh, a chance to be in front of the camera, mm. get to know your photographer, get to know your the angles that you like, figure out what makeup looks good on you and what looks good on camera. True. Yeah. A lot of people but, do separate mm -hmm. photographers for their engagement versus their wedding, but it would be so, that makes so much sense to use the same one and then you get a groove. And oh yeah, like, for sure. Huh. That. Yeah. You should definitely use the same photographer. The challenge is that with weddings, you don't get a second shot. And oftentimes it's the first time you're doing it. So you go in blind. So you definitely want to be as prepared as possible. That's why we have great planners that can help us. Thank God. Yeah. yeah. One final thing that we like to ask all of our guests is what's one thing that you wish you had been taught in school? I think it would be money management or personal finance. Mm -hmm. I feel like that is not talked about enough in our education system. And once you are in the business world, you start working, you start making money, 
like, you're kind of like, what do I do with myself? Like, how do I plan for retirement? And, you know, what do I need to do to set myself up for success? And I find there's just no education around that. And a lot of people are left to fend for themselves. And I've definitely had to learn it the hard way as well. So I feel like, you know, if there were things that I could learn early on in life, it would be to how to save money, how to manage my money, how to invest it properly, and how to set myself up for early retirement, which is what my plan is anyway. Yes. And to afford that $100,000 wedding. (laughs) That's right. That's right. And not be, you know, $100,000 in debt. Exactly. So true. Well, thank you so much. We so appreciate your expertise and advice. You have done such beautiful work. We love following you on Instagram. Please tell everybody how they can follow you, how they can learn more about how to engage your services and follow along with your business. Give us the run. A lot of our weddings you can find on Instagram. So on Instagram, we're Rebecca Chan Wedding. And on online, we're RebeccaChan.ca. If you are interested in booking, we do work mostly in Toronto, but we do fly worldwide uh, if the stars align uh, with (laughs) schedules and locations and, you know, budgets and all of that. But uh, so if you have a wedding, if you're looking for a wedding planner, you can find us online or on Instagram. Amazing. Amazing. Thank you so, so much. We love this chat. (laughs) Thank you for having me. We hope this episode helps you plan the wedding of your dreams with limited stress and maximum fun. We'll leave you with a quote from Devin Havens, who we don't know who the heck is, but found it on the internet and it sounds fabulous. <laughs> yeah, the real behind the scenes of, of our process. Ah, this looks nice. I'm going to throw it on the screen. Sounds great. <laughs> and hopefully this helps everybody listening just put things into perspective on their big day. I will not remember what my wedding looked like, but I will remember what it felt like. That's what she said. That is what she said. So there you have it, guys. Thank you so much for listening. If you like what you heard today, it would mean the world to us if you would subscribe and leave a comment or a rating. And we'd love it if you would share this with your friends by screenshotting the episode and sharing it on social by tagging at Teach Me How to Adult Podcast and DM us with any topics or guests you'd like to hear on the show. See you next time. Bye. Bye.